Hey girls, before we start our episode, I want to tell you that I am offering a free coaching session. I am doing a giveaway. So all you have to do to enter the giveaway is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Spotify does not count. Apple Podcasts is where you need to leave me a review and you can send me a screenshot of your review through Instagram and I will put your username into a list in my notes app and I'm going to randomly choose someone once I get to 500 reviews and then I will announce it once we get to 500 reviews. But leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and you can enter to win a free coaching session with me. And yeah, so leave me a review, send me a screenshot and you're entered. All right, let's get into our, our episode. Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. I still am using this Apple little headphone situation because my microphone, as I told you guys, is in another country. So what that means is that my microphone is going to literally pick up everything. My breathing, the, you know, my dog just before was outside on the balcony and his little nails got caught up in the sound when I was just practicing, testing it out. So you're going to hear quite a lot of everything and I'm not a super good editor, so I won't be able to edit it all out. So yeah, so you guys know usually I don't have a ton of background noise because I got my wonderful microphone from Sure Sure M7 I think is the microphone. But this time you're going to hear a lot of stuff, so just be prepared. And now I want to tell you about the connection between the Hunger Games and God. Like, so random, right? But it is actually so real, and I want to tell you guys about what happened. So basically this podcast is kind of like a story. This is a very, you know, not usual podcast. I'm not giving advice. I'm not, you know, well, I'm still going to tell you my opinions, but (laughs) I'm not giving advice. We're not talking about relationships. We're going to talk. I'm just going to tell you guys a story about the Hunger Games and God. So I was obsessed with the Hunger Games and I loved the movies. I was obsessed. I liked the books better. But those all came out when I was, I'm pretty sure, a kid, like in high school. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, I I loved the books, I loved the movies, but I probably was like 14 or 15 when I watched them, and, you know, that was kind of it. And about, I'd say, three or four years ago, I was meditating outside, and it was before I was really... I'm sure you guys heard that. There was like, I just put my foot on my footstool and it like creaked a little bit. I feel like I'm like haunted by the way that this picks up all the background noise, but okay. So I was meditating about, yeah, like three or four years ago. And it was, like I said, it was before my consistent meditation practice. So it was before I was meditating two times a day or at at minimum one time a day. Um, It was before I was in the self-realization fellowship. It was when I was kind of just, trying to figure out what God meant to me, what spirituality meant to me. And I was kind of like just in those kind of beginning stages. Yeah, around like four four years ago probably I would say. And um and so yeah, so this is yeah, four years ago. And I was outside and I was laying down on rocks, like on um yeah, on like this rock pavement kind of area. And I was just laying down and I was meditating. And in my meditation, I was shown the dome of the Hunger Games, like that that big just dome that they're in, right? 
And when I was seeing this in my meditation, I was seeing the similarity to our world. And, you know, in the Hunger Games, there if you take out all of the violence and the brutality, because that isn't what I was what I was focusing on, if you just focus on the fact that these people are put into this dome and it's controlled by something outside of them like they don't have control like the trees fall down so they don't have control they're placed in this kind of like dome like environment and they look up and they see the sky but then you know Katniss throws something at the at the sky at the dome but it's false it's not like a real sky right like it's it's real it's there but she smacks it or she hits it and it kind of like ripples and you can see that there's it's not real, right? And they, you know, they're trying to survive and they're falling in love and they're in this dome and they're, you know, finding food and they're finding shelter and they're just being human. They're just trying to survive within this dome that they're not controlling that they've been placed within, right? So when I was in this meditation, I was shown the exact parallel between that and us on earth. And we look up at the sky, right, and we see this blue sky, um, but we, and we, we look around and we're just trying to survive and we're trying to connect and whatever, but we're completely not in control and we've been placed here. We've been placed here by something other than ourselves. We've been placed here by God, right, by the eternal divine force around us, and we're not in control. We're just these souls reincarnating in these, you know, bodies. And we come onto this, into earth, and we take it so seriously. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is everything. But just, you know, and they take it so seriously in the Hunger Games. But just like Katniss, when she would, when she threw the something, the, the stick or something, or she threw something at the, uh, at the top, she saw it ripple. And just like us here, we can look up and, and this is real for us. And we do want to live and survive and connect and fall in love and all of this. But it's, it's real for sure. Just like the Hunger Games is real. They're living in it, right? They have to do what they have to do. But we can look up and we can put our consciousness into something above this, this physical world. And we can see that this is only as real as we really are believing it to be. And we can stand in both of those kind of consciousnesses where we are grounded in the sacredness of this reality and of this world. But we can also be grounded in Actually, you could call it, um, they call it God consciousness. You could call it galactic consciousness, which is a book I was just reading, but God consciousness. So we can be grounded in God consciousness and then physical consciousness as well. And so when we look up, every time I look up at the sky, it inspired me to make this episode because I was, every time I wake up and I look up at the sky and I see the clouds and they look, it looks like a painting. Like I'm looking up at it and it doesn't, look real. It looks like a painting. It looks like, um, it just looks, it looks like a painting. And I can ground myself into the preciousness and the sacredness of the physical experience I'm having, having and how beautiful the sky is and how beautiful the clouds are and how much I love mother nature and all that while also acknowledging that this is all just a play. This is all just literally a play. We're just actors in a little play and a little cosmic drama and a little cosmic play. 
And so we can be grounded in that. And when I look up at the sky, I see it similarly to how the Hunger Games, when, you know, them looking up at the sky and it's not real. It is real. They're experiencing it. But at the same time, it's not. And those are those nuances we have to be able to hold. And you can look up at the sky and 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 really be grounded in the um, transcendental nature of our reality and the the real play that it is. And when I say a play, I mean it. I mean like it's a uh, it's a play. We all came here, we reincarnated, we'll probably reincarnate again, and we're just here playing this little playing in this little play in this little drama. And if we can stay grounded in the fact that it's a play, and we can place our consciousness in God always and and keep our consciousness in this space other than this physical dimension, then we can actually start to really enjoy our life. Because when we're too attached and too involved with the play, then we can't actually live happily because we are too we are too in, uh, enmeshed with the false. We can only actually live happily in this play when we're grounded in the real. And that image of the Hunger Games with the dome and really the dome, it always kind of sticks with me. It's just this this dome that they're in and you know, they're, they're, all these other things outside of them are in control. And they have control similar to the way that we have control. Katniss and Peeta can make their decisions within this dome. They can, you know, fight for their lives. They can love. They can fall in love. They can make their choices. They have control in some sense, right? But then there's also a fifth element that is they're not in control. And when we can really ground into both of these aspects, the free will that we have, the control that we have, the um, the independence that we have as individual souls and ex- people, you know, souls having a human experience, when we can ground into the autonomy and the sovereignty and the, yeah, the sovereignty and the control that we have over our choices and over our life and that we can like fully just kind of take control over our lives and show up as our full selves, we need that. Just as Katniss, it's her, you know, she needs to take control over the way that she, um, you know, fights and the way that she engages. And if she just laid there completely surrendered to the fifth element, to God, to the outside you know, things that were controlling, she would have lost. She had to actually be an active participant in it. But then you can also hold the balance of this fifth element where you give your best, you show up with agency, you show up with autonomy, you show up with sovereignty. But there's a fifth element that you surrender to. And that is that is the sacred balance where I say in my life, I am going to give it my best. I am going to show up. I am going to get out of victim mindset. I am going to show up as my full self. I am going to take the reins. I am going to show up with my full potential, whatever it is. I'm going to show up as my best self. I'm going to heal. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to meditate two times a day, whatever. I'm going to do all that. But there's a fifth element that I surrender to that is beyond me. And I will do my best. I will show that's my that's my job. That's my job. That's Katniss's job. That's Peta's job is to do the best they can. The best they, the the showing up Peta's job was I one of my favorite scenes. Okay, let's just get into it. One of my favorite scenes 
okay, is, okay, so okay, let me just say it. I'm so obsessed. I, whenever I watch this with someone, this scene, I, like, I'm so, like, so drama with it. I'll, like, rewind and be like, did you see that? Like, this is what I'm talking about. So, one of my favorite scenes in The Hunger Games is in the first movie, and Peta's leg is injured, and I feel like nobody notices this. I feel like I'm, like, a super spy person that notices this, but okay, so... Peta's leg is injured and he is, you know, very hurt and she has just gotten him this medicine, right? That, and for everyone who's watched The Hunger Games, you're who I'm talking to because you know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so she's just gotten him this medicine and, um, yeah, she's just gotten him this medicine and he's running They're They just got, they're going to the cornucopia, right? And they just got to this this they just got in close proximity to the cornucopia they're looking to um to fight the last the last uh tribute and they go to the they're running to the cornucopia because these or they're close to the cornucopia and then these monster animals come and try to attack them right so that would be the fifth element right which is that okay this is out of my control these monster animals are attacking me now what do i do with my agency that's where i'm in control how do i respond to this how do i overcome this and for them that was like running to the cornucopia right so we have that balance of that control and that not control and we need to show up with agency in the face of um things that are out of our control right so um anyway these animals start attacking them and they start fighting back and then Katniss is like we need to run to the cornucopia so they start running right Katniss is stronger she's faster she's more you know physically I don't even know like physically more like I don't know like better able to protect herself yeah and him right because she's really good with the arrow anyway his leg is injured and he's kind of like limping and he's they're running to the cornucopia and he's behind her because he's limping but then guys you see like oh my gosh okay then you see he puts in his last bit of strength he starts running faster than her. So he's originally behind her because he's slower and his leg is injured. But then he realizes that he wants to save Katniss. He wants Katniss to get up on top of the cornucopia first. So he's like, I am injured and I'm slower, but I'm going to give it my absolute all to get in front of Katniss right now so that she can get up onto the cornucopia first so I can lift her up. So with his last bit of strength, he runs to the cornucopia. He gets in front of Katniss and then he gets on his knee so that she can lift him up because if she had gotten there first she would have um been the you know person that would have lifted him up and then she would have been last onto the cornucopia and she might have been killed by these these animals so he runs up he gets in front of her so that he can put his knee down and she can get up on him and get up first and then she can pull him up that's one of my favorite scenes ever like I love that scene so much because yeah, it's just like feels like full devotion. Like I just love that scene because he's injured, but he gives it his literal all so that he can save her life and put his life above her uh, above himself. So, I love that scene a lot. I don't even know why I went to that. I don't even know what I was talking about. This always happens. I'll just be like, "Wait, what was I just saying?" I don't know. I just wanted to a little a little side story. But yeah, so anyway, we really I think it's important we would do well to remember this fifth element and the play of our experience the drama of our experience right and be grounded in that as well so you show up and you do your best and at the same time you're surrendered to the outcome 
I remember when I was taking my ELSA, I showed up and I was, you know, really, I was taking my LSAT for law school and I studied for three months. And for one month, I turned off my phone for the entire month. And I only saw my one, my, my best friend, Reggie, from when I was a child. I saw Reggie um, maybe like five times throughout the whole summer because it was right after I graduated from NYU. So I'm taking my LSAT. I'm studying all summer. I studied for June, July, August, and then my LSAT was in September. And I gave it my literal all, literally. I gave it my all. I was studying for about eight hours a day for my LSAT every day. And I took, I think, Sundays off so I could recharge. But I studied for six days a week, eight hours a day. All I did was study for the LSAT. And um, turned off my phone. I was living at home. And I literally gave it my all. And yeah, and I, I gave it my all. And I remember just grounding into the fact that, okay, I'm not in control anymore. I have done the absolute best that I can do. I've shown up. I am confident with the way that I have showed up here. I've taken control. I've done this. I've, you know, showed up with agency. I'm not in a victim mindset. I've showed up fully with agency. And then whatever the outcome is, that's the outcome. I can do my best and then surrender to God. That's all I can do. I can show up and I can do my best and I can take agency and I can take control and I can do my thing. And then I surrender to the outcome I'm supposed to have. And I remember I wanted to get a 175 on the LSAT, right? I think the highest score is a 178 or a 180 or something. I'm not sure. But a 175 is like you have a sure ticket into, um, you know, NYU Law, which is where I wanted to go, which is in the top four uh, law schools in the country and probably in the world. Um, Harvard Law, I, I was really interested in um, in Harvard and in NYU. And those are the two schools I really wanted to get into. And I didn't get a 175. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. I got a really good, a really good score. Um, but it, I don't, it, I still could have got it. I could have got into um, NYU. I could have got into maybe Harvard. I, I have very high, <laughs> I have very high um, sta- or, you know, expectations or expectations of myself. I don't know. I just, I really believe in myself. So even if my score wasn't a 175, I still could have, um, I still feel like I could have got in. But I definitely could have gotten into NYU, um, you know, whatever. So my score was really, really good, but it wasn't a 175 and I was disappointed. And in my disappointment, I, um, yeah, I was disappointed and it kind of 
swayed me off of wanting to go to law school. I said, I want to retake my LSAT. So I was like, okay, I'm going to retake my LSAT. You know, I'm going to do this and and I'm going to do that. And then in that time and of me saying, I'm going to retake my LSAT, I started kind of feeling this pull to do something else. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take a few years. I'll keep my score. You know, I'm not going to retake it. And then I'm going to go to law school. And in those few years, which even now would be the few years, right, um, I discovered I didn't want to go to law school and that I was not interested and that I, um, you know, didn't I didn't want to go. I wanted to do something else with my life. But had I had gotten, had I have gotten a 175, I would have applied immediately and I would have gone to Harvard and I would have gone to Harvard Law and that would have been what I would have done because based on the fact that I got a 175, I would have been so excited. I would have taken that as, okay, I fully need to go. It's as a sign. I'm going, whatever. And I would have, that would have been the direction of my life. And I'm very glad that didn't happen because that wasn't meant for me. I wasn't supposed to go to law school. For me, I've talked about this before, that would have been the easy way out for me. That would have been something that I could do with my gifts. I'm well-spoken. I'm able to win arguments. I'm usually able to outwit others. I'm very intelligent. I have a lot of qualities that would make me a very good lawyer, but that's not where my gifts are supposed to go to. So my point here is, is that I showed up with my agency and did absolutely everything that I could do. And I surrendered to God that fifth element that is outside of my control. And when I didn't get in 175, I then ended up not going to law school, which was my path. I was not supposed to go to law school. And that is that is the, the fifth element. That is surrender. That is that balance of devotion, of taking agency, of taking sovereignty over your life, while also being surrendered to the outcome, surrender to your experiences. You can give it your best. You can show up. You can set your intention. But ultimately, you do not know what your life is going to be. You don't know what your um, experiences will be. You can hold on to your ideas if you will, if you'd like, but you're not in control in that final hour, right? So we show up, we do the best we can. For example, we eat healthy, we, you know, don't drink, we don't smoke, we do all these things because that's what feels good. We want to do that. And we show up, we say, I deserve to be healthy, right? And and we should. And But we're surrendered to the fact that, okay, if I have a um, chronic illness that isn't going away, okay, it's not going away. I'm surrendered to that. Now, how do I want to show up with my life? I still want to be healthy. I still want to do all of these things that make me healthy. So we surrender and we also take agency and act with free will. And hopefully we act in free will in our highest benefit and for our highest path. And that is really where we want to be is that we're always choosing and using our free will to benefit our highest self, our highest path. So we make healthy choices, we make healing choices, we show up um, in a full and fulfilled way and we make choices that lead us to have a fulfilled and happy life. And that is, you know, kind of that balance between surrender and taking control and it makes you so much more happy when you realize that you're just in a play and you can do what you can, right? Katniss can, um, you know, for example, when she was uh, when she was uh, 
injured and she didn't have any any help and she didn't know what to do. And outside of this big dome, we can think of that as the earth dome, outside of that physical world for her, so the Hunger Games dome, outside of that, Hamish was working on her behalf. So you can think of God or your spirit guides or your angels or, yeah, God, whatever you want to think of, outside of you is working on your behalf, right? And you can't, you can't control that. You can't do anything about that, right? So she was had this huge injury on her leg and she would have been killed. She would have died. But on the outside, Hamish was working for her. He was working on her behalf and he sent her a little gift. So he could be thought of as like a spirit guide or an angel. And he sent her a little gift that healed her leg so that she could survive. So again, she does the best she can. Her agency in that moment was, okay, I need to climb up on this tree. That's where my independence comes in. I'm injured. I need to climb up on this tree. That's the best I can do. I'm injured. I need to self-preserve. The best I can do is climb up onto this tree. Okay, now I wait for the fifth element because now I'm not in control. I'm either going to die or I'm not, but there's literally nothing that I can do in this moment. So I'm going to just surrender. And it reminds me of this story, um, this story that I read in the autobiography of a yogi. And really it was the story of this nun, I believe. And in the autobiography of a yogi, the autobiography, the autobiography of a yogi is written by my guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. And he is the founder of the Self-Realization Fellowship. You guys should check out his book. I think it's in the top 100 spiritual books ever written or something. I believe so. And I know that Steve Jobs, it was his favorite book and he gave it out to everyone at his funeral. He like made sure everyone had a copy or something. Um, And it was the only book he ever downloaded on his iPad was the autobiography of a yogi. So, yes. But, um, yes, so Paramahansa Yogananda wrote this story of this woman. And it's not a story. It was real, but he just wrote it down. And I I forget the the full logistics because I did read this about three years ago or two years ago now. No, it was longer than two. Yeah, three three years ago. And, um, and... In the story, the nun, she goes to this place to help God, like she's, or not help God, to, uh, to help other people, right? And she is completely devoted to God. She loves God so much. And yeah, she's just like really devoted to God. And, um, and something happens where the first day she gets there, she falls sick. And she falls sick and she's in the hospital for something like four years. And when she's in the hospital, every day she's praying to God, like, please help me change the situation so that I can go and help people or help me get out of the situation or whatever, like help me do this or do that or whatever. And, um, and she's unanswered. And on her fourth or on her fourth year, on the last day of her being sick or whatever, she completely surrendered. And she said, okay, God, I'm here. I'm sick. I surrender to your path. Whatever you want to do with me, with my life, you do it. Um, I, I don't know. You're in control. I'm sick. I surrender to you. And in that moment, he worked a miracle and she was cured. 
And so for me, I think that story really illustrates the power of that fifth element and of surrendering to that fifth element. And I'm referring to it as a fifth element because I remember I learned about it as a fifth element, I believe from a Sufi mystic in some book I was reading. Um, but I liked referring to it as the fifth element because there's, you know, all these things that we are in the physical world, but then there's this fifth element outside of us that we is unpredictable. We don't know. We have to just surrender to it. So we can do what we can. We do our best, but we have to surrender. And there's been things in my life, even um, chronic illnesses that I have had and have an experience. And, um, and I remember I went alkaline vegan and I did all of this. I, I was alkaline vegan. I loved it. That was like the best thing of my life. Also, I'm going alkaline vegan again for starting in a couple of days and I'm doing it for two weeks before this retreat I'm going on. So I'm probably going to make a YouTube video about that or make TikToks about it. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was like doing all this stuff, trying to change this chronic illness that I had, right? And it was really once I surrendered and I was like, okay, I have this. I am experiencing this. That's okay. Okay. This is what it is. And that's okay. And I'm going to just surrender to that and learn how to navigate this and not hate this and love it and welcome it into my sphere of my heart. I had a friend, a lot of, you know, women kind of have chronic illnesses related to the womb, like endometriosis or PCOS and whatnot. And, um, I've struggled with with things like that and um and there's this desire to kind of hate it and I know cuz I've experienced it there's this desire to hate these kind of chronic illnesses related to the womb right and it was only once I actually integrated it and said I love you I'm not mad at you okay this is this was my my karma it was my path it was my experience I don't know this is what it is. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to be in resistance to you. I love you. You're here. That's okay. Let me welcome you in and I can pray, but I'm always going to stay available and open to the fact that you're here for a reason and I'm not mad at you. So I can say, I can pray to God, God, please, you know, I would really appreciate if this was taken away, but also at the same time, I surrender to your guidance and to my life and to these things that I can't control. I would love for you to work a miracle through me and to take this away. And I'm going to take the agency of my life to eat healthy, to be healthy, to find, to use herbs, to heal myself. That's my, my part. I take these herbs. I, you know, I do all these practices, these fasting practices, these womb health practices to heal myself. And I will do that. That's my part. And then my part is also to surrender at the same time. And what that really looks like is being in non-resistance to the outcome. So you want to be healthy regardless. So take these herbs to help heal you, to make, you know, everything a lot, you know, smoother and better and heal yourself. And you deserve to have that. And then at the same time, without hate in your heart towards, don't have hate in your heart towards that experience or towards that thing. Instead of being in resistance to it, think of yourself as on a team with it, um, and you would you deserve to be fully healthy. You deserve to be um, well. And so you are going to work with it to heal it and to remove it. And you're also surrendered at the same time to God's path and to God's, you know, um, direction in your life and the, the fifth element's direction. And that makes working within the system 
much, much more enjoyable. Because when we're constantly, first of all, taking this system, like living in that Hunger Games dome as so serious, we just lose everything. We lose sight of everything and everything becomes very, very, very heavy. And so when we can keep our our consciousness grounded in God, when we can work with agency within this Hunger Games dome that we're in and love our experience and, and take agency and take our sovereignty but be surrendered to the outcome, that is where I feel all the magic happens. And it's this full this full integrated approach that is required to actually be happy and fulfilled in our lives, this full nuance filled approach of surrender, of agency, of sovereignty, of, of complete, completely being out of control, all of these seeming paradoxes that are not actually paradoxes work together to create, um, to create the system in which you need to act within and live within to be fulfilled, to be happy, to be in your highest embodiment and to be connected to to God. Um, so yeah, so that is where my Hunger Games obsession restarted. So I was obsessed with the Hunger Games as a kid, but I kind of, you know, moved on with my life. <laughs> I was in college, I graduated from high school, I graduated from college, I was doing my thing, and really right after I graduated college, it was actually during my summer of the LSAT, um, is when I had that meditation of the Hunger Games, where I was just shown the similar reality of this Hunger Games dome and the outside people working to help or to hurt or, you know, all of this and it just being neutral and it's just this, you know, you have your agency and you do what you can and that allows you to fulfill your destiny. And then there's also outside sources that engage with that and we have to be surrendered and we also have to be agent having agency. So it's just like all these paradoxes and ways of engaging that make us successful in this earth realm. And, um, and we want to be successful. And when I say successful, I don't mean materially. Maybe that's one aspect of being successful. But um, successful spiritually. Uh, to walk in your highest path, that's required. We have to have these understandings. So that's where my Hunger Games re- my hunger games obsession restarted. I got up from that med- meditation, no joke, and I came inside. And I sat in my bed and I watched Hunger Games for the next three days. And that was what I would do after I was done studying for my LSAT. I would watch, I would um, do my LSAT practices for eight hours. And then at night I would watch the Hunger Games. And that's where my Hunger Games obsession restarted. And then I became you know, re-watching it as an adult, you're like, oh my God, this is like a revolutionary movie. And this literally talks about all these different aspects about revolution and about rebellion and about liberation and about anti-capitalism and elitism. It's like all these things. And you're just like, wow, I can't believe that I saw this as a kid and I didn't really fully realize that. Um, so yeah, so I love it also for that reason because it's such a revolutionary book. But it's literally like the most iconic book and movie ever. Like I actually, it ties in so many different, I don't know, it's just like everything. So so yeah, guys, so that is where my Hunger Games obsession restarted as an adult. I do want to reread the books. I have them all. Um, so I want to reread them. But yeah, I am Team PETA very much Team PETA, and that is where my Hunger Games obsession restarted, and I am so excited for the Hunger Games 
new movie coming out November of 2023, right? This year, I'm pretty sure. And I am still trying to figure out what I'm going to dress up as because I want to dress up as something, but I don't know exactly what to dress up as. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'll dress up as Katniss. Yeah. I, oh, oh my God. Yeah, of course. I'm going to dress up as Katniss. So I need to find like a Katniss uniform or like a Katniss costume. I'm going to cosplay. Is that what the kids call it? I'm going to cosplay as Katniss um, into the movie theater. Like literally I'm going to show up as Katniss in the movie theater and yeah, I'm going to be really excited. So so yeah, but all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I thought this was going to be a shorter episode, but you know the vibes. It's it was a long one. So I love you guys so much. Also, oh my gosh, before we even start, I need to tell you guys that I am doing a giveaway. So if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, I will, and you send me a screenshot to my Instagram, I'm going to write your username down in my notes, and I am going to choose someone who is going to receive a free coaching session with me. So all you have to do, once I get to 500 reviews, because I would like 500 reviews, I literally have like 100,000 downloads per month, and I'm like, why do I only have like 300 reviews on Apple Podcasts? This is crazy. I have 100,000 listeners per month. Like, this is insane. How do I only have a few hundred reviews? So, so yeah, so on Apple Podcasts, if you would like to enter to win a free coaching session with me, all you have to do is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and then send me a screenshot to my Instagram and you could win a free coaching session with me. So yeah, so so yeah, I'm going to actually um, say that in the beginning. But yeah, I love you guys so much and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.